This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Acts 10.38, Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Oil was used. He said he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. So again, oil was used to anoint a person to do a work for God. Christ said that he was anointed with the Holy Ghost, and it says in Acts 10.38 that he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So oil is a symbol in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says clearly that a person is a child of God or a person is not a child of God based on whether or not he has the Holy Spirit living inside of him, unseen, like the oil in the lamp. Romans 8, 9, Romans 8, 9. You are not in flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So again, a person has, unseen to the eyes of others, a person has the Holy Spirit in him, he's a child of God. A person unseen to the eyes, a person does not have the Spirit of God living in him, he's not a child of God. And in this parable, the foolish, unseen to others, did not have oil, which is saying that they did not have the Holy Spirit living in them because of this lack of oil. And that's why Christ says to them in verse 12, verse 12, verily I say unto you, I know you not. The other place where he said that in Matthew 7, when he said that, he said, I know you not, depart from me, you that work iniquity, and they were barred from heaven, they were cast into hell. In other words, the parable is saying that without the Holy Spirit living inside of a person, that they're none of Christ, and therefore they're cast into hell. And the problem is that we've been having in the last decades is the charismatic movement. The charismatic movement has made many people confused as to who the Holy Spirit really is. Because as they've observed in the charismatic movement, people go into trances and doing wild things and speaking in senseless babbling and being told that's the Holy Spirit that's caused that person to do all of that. And all of that has made people both confused and scared of who the Holy Spirit really is. And this all gets cleared up when we see one name that's given to the Holy Spirit, which I read already in Romans 8, 9, Romans 8, 9, where it said, but we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, 
if so they be that the spirit of Christ dwell in you, spirit of God, sorry, the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And that term also is used in 1 Peter 1.11, 1 Peter 1.11, speaking about the prophets in the old time who wrote prophecies, and Peter said in 1 Peter 1.11, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So the name for the Holy Spirit of the Spirit of Christ clears up all of this confusion and takes away the fear of who the Holy Spirit really is from the charismatic movement because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. So that means then that the Holy Spirit will not cause a person to do things that we do not see Christ doing. And we can expect that when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit or filled with the Spirit of Christ, that that person is gonna be like Christ as we see Christ in the gospel records. And in the gospel records, we do not see Christ going into trances. And we do not see Christ doing wild things and we do not see Christ speaking in a senseless babblings. Now, since the foolish virgins didn't have any oil, that meant they didn't have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, and therefore they're not really saved. But they look saved. They look saved from the outside. You ask them, you're saved. They say, yes, I'm saved. You say, do you receive Christ? Yes, I receive Christ. You say, did you know the Lord? Yes, I know the Lord. They look that. They go to church. They look that way because they talk like a person who's saved. They look like they're saved because their life looks like a person who's saved. But just like both the wise virgins and the foolish virgins, they all look the same. Their lamps look the same. They all look the same. But the difference between them two was all about what was hidden to the eye. It was all about the oil. One had oil, the other didn't. And there are those in the church who look like they're saved, and but the hidden reservoir of their soul, there's no Holy Spirit. There's no Spirit of Christ living in there. We can't see it, but that's the reality. That means that they're happy as long as they are seen externally to look like they're saved. Just as the foolish, they didn't care about the internal of the lamp, whether it had oil or not. And there are those in the church who don't care whether they really have a personal relationship with Christ or not. They don't care if Christ is is really their dearest secret friend or not. Their their heart is not really exercised in what Paul talked about in Philippians 3.12 when he says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto the things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal it, even unto him. So in other words, the foolish verses, they were in trouble, they weren't care. There was no oil in their lamps. Just like as those who, don't really have the Holy Spirit, they're not troubled inside that they're not closer to Christ. They're not really counting themselves as not close enough to Christ. They're not really forgetting that 
where they've come from in order that they might keep stretching and reaching and pressing to get closer to Christ. That's not them. That's not part of their MO. They're just happy with their religion and they don't really care about relationship with Christ. Christ is not the center of their thoughts. He's not the object of their passion. They see themselves as part of Christianity. They're Baptists, they're Catholics, they're members of some denomination or a member of some church, and they don't see themselves as in Christ and consumed with the person of Christ that they would say something like Philippians 1.21, Philippians 1.21, they wouldn't say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why? Why is that? Why? No oil. No oil in the hidden reservoir of their soul. No Christ in the person of the Spirit of Christ living in them. And because they really don't have their lives consumed with Christ, they would say, well, I know the Lord, and, and when it comes down to entering heaven or not, they would say, I know the Lord. But the question is not whether, whether they know the Lord. The question is the Lord Jesus in verse seven. The Lord Jesus in verse seven, I'm sorry, verse 12. In verse 12, verse 12, he didn't say, verily I say unto the, you, you don't know me. It's not a question of whether a person knows the Lord. What the Lord said in verse 12, verse 12 was, verily I say unto you, I know you not. Why did he say that? What did he mean when he said, I know you not? I mean, Christ just knows everything. He knows everybody. What do you mean he didn't know them? He knows every person. He's speaking about a special knowledge, a special knowledge that a person has. So Christ is saying, what he's really saying in verse 12 is this. I never knew you as a person who forgot the past and kept reaching, stretching, pressing out every day to get close to me. I never knew you to be that person. I'm not inside of you. There's no oil in your lamp. To others, you look like there's oil, but I know there's not. I never knew you as a person who followed me and was more loyal to me than anyone else on earth. I never knew you to be that person. I never knew you to love me more than your wife and your mother and your father and your children and everybody on earth. I never knew you'd be that person. I never knew. I'm not inside of you. There's no oil in your lamp. It looks like there's oil, but there's not. He's saying, I never knew you as a person who is willing to forsake everyone to follow me. I never knew you as that person. I'm not inside of you. There's no oil in your lamp. It looks like there is, but there's not. That's what he meant when he said, I never knew you. Now, in verse three, Christ makes a very strong point of what the foolish did not do when he says in verse three, they that were foolish took their lamps but took no oil with them. They didn't want their hands to be empty. That's not what they wanted. They wanted to make sure that they went to sleep with their lamps like the others did right next to them so that they, they would be seen. But they didn't have a concern as to whether or not there was oil in. And by contrast, the wise, they were thinking ahead, the wise in verse four, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And then, and then they both fall into this deep sleep, this deep sleep, both of them, all the 10 virgins, they're, they're in the deep sleep. So we're in their, they're in their deepest sleep in the dead center of the night at midnight. They're just woken up with this cry in verse six, verse six. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And it comes, the cry comes as a shock. I mean, they're sound asleep. It's more of a shock to the five virgins as they hadn't thought through what they would need when the bridegroom came. 
but they all got up, they try to wipe the sleep from their eyes and mechanically they go through, they went through the drill, they knew the drill, they went through the drill in verse seven, here's the drill. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, that was the drill. And all the 10 virgins, they got up, they grabbed their lamps, they cleaned the ash off the wicks so that the lamps will shine the most. And then comes the shock for foolish virgins, their lamps are going out, the fire's going, it's immediately they realize, oh no, oh no, our lamps don't have any oil in it. So the five foolish virgins, they panic as they see their flame dying out, and there's that, 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 that moment of scrambling thoughts, now what? You know, what are we gonna do now? You know, and it immediately, the foolish virgins come up with, they, they got a solution to the problem, I know. My friends over there, those five other fives, they have oil. All we gotta do is get some oil from them. And Christ paints this picture of the five foolish virgins, virgins pleading with the five wise virgins in verse eight. Verse eight, the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil, our lamps are gone out. This is a very sad scene. Very sad scene in verse eight of the five foolish virgins because they're laying out their desperate situation to their friends when they say, our lamps are gone out. And when the five foolish virgins are begging them, they're saying, please, 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 in verse eight, give us of your oil. Now, it's not that the wise virgins didn't have compassion on the five foolish virgins. They did, they felt their loss. It was painful to them. It was not that the five virgins were saying to the five foolish virgins, you should have thought about this beforehand, like I did. You should have put oil in your lamp before him. Serves you right. No, 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 not at all. Those five foolish virgins were friends with the five wise virgins, and the five wise virgins wanted to help the five foolish virgins, but they couldn't. They couldn't as the five wise virgins told the five foolish virgins in verse nine, verse nine, but the wise answered saying, not so, it's a strong rejection, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. Go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So really what they're saying there is they're saying, our hands are tied. The five wise virgins are saying, our hands are tied because we can't give you the oil because there won't be enough oil. And so the heart of those five wise virgins is broken with pain and they feel the dilemma of their friends, their five foolish virgins. It's just like the rich man when he died and was suffering in the flame of hell and he begged Abraham, send Lazarus so he can, with some water on his finger so he can just touch my tongue because I'm tormented in this flame. Abraham's heart was broken for that man. And Abraham said, I want to, but I can't in Luke 16, 22, Luke 16, 22. It came to pass that the beggar died was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. 
But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted, thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. What's Abraham saying? Abraham is saying, we want to, we want to help you, but between us and you, there's a great gulf, a great valley fix, so that they which would pass from us to you cannot, and neither can you come to us. What was that? We want to help you, but we cannot. And that was the wise virgins here. They were saying to the foolish virgins, we want to help you, but we can't. That means that when a person dies without a secret hidden relationship called the hidden man inside of him, a hidden relationship with Jesus Christ, and he's being cast into hell, there will be those who feel the great pain and the compassion over that, and they'll want to help, but they won't be able to. Now, in verse 10, we have the desperate scramble, the desperate scramble of the foolish to try and find oil. Verse 10, while they went to buy, while they went to buy, it says, while they went to buy, it's midnight. There's no place to, that's open where you can go buy oil at midnight. It, it reminds me of the time when I was in Loretto and, and it was midnight one night. And for some reason, I needed something. I don't know if it was flour or I can't remember. Baking soda, cornstarch, some ridiculous thing like that. But I just had to have it, and it was midnight. Loretto's a little town. There's only 15,000 people there. And I needed to buy it. And I remember driving all over the town trying to find some store that was open. You know, Loretto has these little convenience stores. They're called Big Mart. I always say that's a joke, but anyway. And it says on the outside of them, open 24 hours. I went to almost every one. None of them were open at midnight. I had to wait till the morning. This is what was happening here in verse 10 with these foolish virgins. They're going all over town looking for some place where they could buy oil. And it never says in the text that they found any oil any place that was open. They just scrambled from one place to the other and searched for this oil and they, they came up empty. And that's to teach us that there will come a time when the lost who never cared in their lives about developing a close relationship with Jesus Christ, that when they see that they need this close relationship in order to get to heaven, they're gonna scramble, and they're gonna try and get that relationship, and it's gonna be futile. It's sad. Luke 13, 24, Luke 13, 24, Christ said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. He meant strive now. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and not be able. When, once the master of the house has risen up, and has shut to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Then shall you begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not from whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. That's pathetic of the lost trying to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ when it's too late. And they say, wait, we're Jewish. You're Jewish. You and I have eaten and drank close to each other. You taught in our streets of Israel. I love Israel. I've been to Israel. 
And the tragedy will be that Christ responds to that is, I tell you, I know not whence you are. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And when he says that, he's saying, I don't know you. I don't know you as the ones who allowed me in your lifetime to change your lives. I don't know you as the ones who let me lead you out of your sinful ways. So get away from me. And that's the meaning here of this parable in verse 10. Verse 10 when it says, and when they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with them to the marriage. And then the worst words of all this parable, the door was shut. The door was shut. Very key statement. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage. They that were ready means that when the time came in their lifetime to buy oil, they bought oil and they were ready. Just as now in lifetime, it's time to establish a close relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship of I surrender all, a relationship of I yield to Christ as my master and director and I want daily communion with him and I must have that or I'll die. And then it says in verse 10, they went in with him to the marriage. Heaven, everybody says in a funeral or something, oh, he's gone to a better place. Where's that? Oh, it's a better place. You know, it's, it's a better place. Heaven's not about a better place. Heaven's about a better person. I think I told you this one time, my a Jewish friend of mine asked me one time, who doesn't really believe in heaven and hell, he said to me, he asked me, he said, Tom, what is heaven like? What is heaven like? And I told him, I said, that I can answer to you with two words. Heaven is Jesus Christ. That's heaven. Heaven is Jesus Christ. They went in with him to the marriage. Heaven is all about being with Christ. Heaven is all about being joined to Christ as the bride in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that close relationship with Christ does not start in heaven. It starts on earth. That's where you buy the oil. There, and then in verse 10, it says the door was shut. So when all the virgins who had oil in their lamps had come into the bridegroom's house, the guest list was complete, and the head of the house then shut the door. No one else could come in. That means when all who have in their lifetimes made themselves to be in Christ as the one who changes their lives, then he is the master and director of their lives, and they're abiding in Christ, then when they get to heaven, the door of heaven is shut. But then in verse 11, it's not the end. It says it doesn't mean that there's not gonna be those who are gonna try to get into heaven without a close relationship to Jesus Christ because it says in verse 11, afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, verily I say unto you, I know you not. So Christ said already, in Luke 13, 24, as we saw, Luke 13, 24, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. He's saying many are gonna try to get in. Claw marks on the outside gate of heaven is what he's talking about. Matthew 7, 22, Matthew 7, 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and thy name done many wonderful works? And then he'll say, depart from me you that work iniquity. So how does it all sum up? What does it all mean? He sums it all up in verse 13, verse 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So the lesson of this parable is the need to develop what is not seen. This close relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship of trust and obey. 
There's no other way. Before the great day, both the foolish virgins and the wise virgins, they looked the same on the outside, but the difference was the unseen reservoir where the wise had oil and the foolish did not. Before the storm came, before the storm came, the houses of both the wise man and the foolish man looked exactly the same, looked exactly the same, but the difference was unseen. The difference was the foundation that wasn't seen where the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. And when the storm came, it revealed what was unseen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, all these clear things that you've spoken to us this morning and help us one and all, Lord, to develop our even closer relationship in the unseen, in the hidden man with Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.